0: Welcome to Be Fit for Life. Your host is Chad Austin. There's no time to get yourself into shape like right now. You'll learn how to overcome the day-to-day excuses and start working on the rest of your life. The results will come as you go, and will just keep getting better and better. Now, here's your host and motivator, Chad Austin.
1: What's up, everybody? I'm Chad Austin. Welcome to Be Fit for Life. I hope you enjoyed last week's Be Fit for Life episode that featured world-renowned fitness coach Scott Abel. Scott Abel has coached thousands and thousands of people to transform both their physiques and their lives. Scott has been a leader in the fitness industry for over four decades now. He has experience as a competitor, as a fitness trainer, and as a life coach. He's done it all. We had a great discussion last week about his philosophy of fitness success that he describes as the triangle of awareness, and it focuses on the physical and the emotional health. We also learned about his new podcast and program that is called Coach Abel's Empowered Women Experience, which talks about why food, fat, and fitness are all female issues. If you hadn't had a chance yet, go back and check him out at www.scottable.com. You won't be disappointed. There's a lot of great material. This week, I have another great guest joining us on Beefed for Life, James Fell. James Fell authors the internationally syndicated fitness column, In Your Face Fitness, for the Chicago Tribune, and is the author of the best-selling book, Lose It Right, a brutally honest three-stage program to help you get fit and lose weight without losing your mind. He also interviews celebrities about their fitness regimens for the Los Angeles Times, is head fitness columnist for AskMen.com, and recently began a fitness column for Time Magazine. He has a very popular blog at www.sixpackabs.com. Between his various columns and blog, several million people read his fitness advice each month. You can follow him on Twitter and Facebook at BodyForWife, Wife, at capital B, capital F, capital W. So we're very happy to have James joining us this morning, but before we get to our interview, I wanted to spend some time talking this morning about priorities. If I were to ask you what the top priorities are in your life, what would you say? I feel like most people would probably answer that question by saying, by starting with family and then saying career. Family and career, I think that's what most, two, most people would say first. Health and fitness is something that everyone sees as important, but most of us put it off. We talk about it as something that we're going to get to down the road, like we're just too busy to do it now. The first two priorities, family and career, take up so much of our time that we think it is impossible to have any time to worry about exercise and nutrition on on top of that. The problem is that the obstacles we use as excuses right now, family stuff, work projects, traveling for work, kids' activities, etc., these things aren't going anywhere. They're still going to be here no matter how long you wait to begin worrying about your own health. And if we really want to make health a priority in our lives, we have to find time to do it now. Honestly, it's not that we don't have enough time to do it all. There's 168 hours in every week. I'm sure you probably heard trainers say that before. There's 168 hours in every week. That's a lot. If we just committed six to eight hours a week for exercise, that would still leave us with 160 hours. So if you looked around, I'm sure you would probably notice a lot of people you're close to who are busier than you and still manage to make fitness a priority. It's not that we don't have time to do it. It's that we don't know how to use our time efficiently to get everything in. So one, to- one tool I've used over the years to help my clients stay consistent and get fitness as a priority also is this thing I call the accountability journal. It basically just looks like a calendar, and we use it to schedule my clients' workouts. It's effective because what is the number one excuse we all use to not exercise or to skip our workouts is that we don't have time. We all use the don't have time excuse. By far, this is the top excuse I've heard as a trainer. By scheduling your workouts, it takes away this excuse. If you schedule your workouts, and you can't say you don't have time because you just made time. What the journaling idea also does is it helps you make yourself more consistent. So at the end of every week, you're going to grade yourself. So I was a teacher before I became a trainer, so I'm sure that's where it came from. But you're going to grade yourself on how you did. Did you get all your workouts in? If you did, great. If you got an A, then awesome. Just keep it going. If you didn't, then why didn't you? Why didn't you get all your workouts in? What stood in your way? What obstacles held you up? How can you come back and do better next week? So I'm a problem solver. Most personal trainers are. And this really helps solve the problem. So By doing this every week and going through this process, it's going to slowly help you get consistent with your workout and make your workouts a priority just as much as family and your career is. Because towards the end of the week, say you do your workouts on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and towards the end of the week, you already know that you can't work out in your normal time Tuesday because you have a meeting or you have a family thing or something. And so you're already planning on working out on Monday. And just slowly, it's going to help build that healthy habit of getting your workouts in and rescheduling to make time for it. I'm getting ready to have my own program on my website. It's going to be called Make Fitness a Priority. Almost every trainer out there that has an online presence, he has his own online training program. And so I'm going to follow into this mix. But my program is going to not only have a workout program, but it's also going to have tools like my accountability log and other things just to help you make fitness a priority so you can get long-term success. So one of the ways to do that. One of the important things you have to do is you have to develop healthy habits. But another thing you have to do is you help to get your you have to get your unhealthy habits under control. And notice I said under control, not restricted or cut out. I don't think it's really realistic to get long-term success that restrict too many things that you love to do or to cut out and say you're never going to do it again. That's that's like being on a diet. That's temporary success, not long-term success. So I want you to get your unhealthy habits just under control. So think about it. What unhealthy habits do you do right now that could be hurting your success? What things are you doing that if you weren't doing it, you'd be losing more weight or you'd be getting stronger, or you'd be getting more sleep, you'd be getting, you'd be staying hydrated What or what is it that's holding you up? So I, I was thinking about this the other day and I have a, my own unhealthy habits story for you. When I was a junior in high school, I didn't, I didn't do track or baseball my junior and senior year. My junior and senior year, I just played football and wrestled. And so that last season of school, I didn't have any after school activities. So every day after school, me and my friend Travis, we would go to Casey's General Store. So If you know what Casey's General Store is, then congratulations, you grew up in a small town like I did in in, in the United States. It's just a small gas station. But every day after school, we went to Casey's General Store, and I got a king-size Butterfinger and a 20-ounce Wild Cherry Pepsi every single day. And my friend Travis got a 20-ounce Mountain Dew and a king-size Kit Kat every single day. And we didn't even think anything of it. We just It was just like our after-school snack. And I looked this up earlier today, and that after-school snack that I had every single day was 730 calories, 121 grams of sugar, and over 20 grams of fat every single day. Was it a coincidence that I wrestled the weight class higher in my senior year than my junior year? Maybe. Who knows? Probably not. But this after school, I didn't even think anything of it when I did this. And it was just something that we did every single day. We never missed a beat. We were definitely addicted to doing this. And so it's just not even a meal. It's just an after school snack that we did every single day. So... And that's something I still, I don't have pop anymore. I mean, that's something I cut out. That's, a, that's an unhealthy habit that I cut out years ago. But I'll still have a, the occasional candy bar or something like that from time to time. I eat healthy for the most part, but I will have some chocolate or something like that from time to time. So that's an unhealthy habit I still have, but I've got it under much more control now. And so it doesn't get in the way of my fitness success. So take some time today and think about what unhealthy habits do you have? Or if you have any like mind you've gotten under control, and how can you change it to help you get to stop it from preventing you from getting success? On that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to bring up my guest, James Fell, and we're going to talk about his book and how you can lose weight and get in shape without losing your mind. We'll be right back on Be Fit for Life.
0: us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn how many times have you heard this i'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired you are what you eat
2: i've tried every diet
0: diets don't work it's time to stop this kind of madness and start thinking and feeling empowered to change your health tune into the raw truth with Chef Sharon Fraser. Join us weekly for thought-provoking conversations with world-renowned experts in the food, medical, holistic, sports medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic health sciences. The Raw Truth airs live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before... Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. If you have a question or comment about our program, send us an email at chadaustinfitness at gmail.com. That's Chad Austin Fitness at gmail.com. Now, back to Be Fit for Life.
1: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Chad Austin. You're listening to Be Fit for Life. Joining me on the show this morning is James Spell. James authors the international syndicated fitness column, In Your Face Fitness, for Chicago Tribune and is the an author of the best-selling book, Lose It Right, a brutally honest three-stage program to help you get fit and lose weight without losing your mind. Between his various columns and blog, several million people read his fitness advice each month. Welcome to the show, James. Thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on, Chad. Yeah, no problem. I, I've enjoyed uh, reading your website and a lot of your material since we connected a few weeks ago, and so I've been looking forward to having you on here. I think you have a, a really good story that it says uh, on your About page of your website, and so it would be great to start the show with that. I always talk about on this show several times that to get long term success you have to know your reason why. So when the things get tough and you have to when you're making sacrifices, you have to know why you're making them to make it a long term thing. So I always like to start with every guest and just kinda of ask what your reason why is. How do you end up in the fitness industry? How do you become a leader in fitness?
2: Um well it, it started a little over twenty years ago with a personal transformation and I mean one of my my first website is bodyforwife.com. And, uh, I'd been dating this woman that was out of my league for a few years and wanted to ask her to marry me and I thought, well, I'd become quite overweight. I was borderline obese. And I thought, well, maybe I should try and get in shape first before I propose to her. Uh And, uh, just, you know, I was, I was a university student, had free access to a gym and, uh, and that so that kind of became a running joke years later that well you know I got in shape before proposing to my girlfriend and it was this whole body for wife thing but I quickly realized that the the key to all of this was um you know passionate for a specific activity and uh, and so it the it really was more body for me that I I just really dug what I was doing I, I really liked lifting weights and later on I got into um, you know cycling and and uh, running and I like being able to go sea kayaking and skiing all and all that kind of stuff so so for me it was just being able to embrace certain activities that I was really into and not seeing it as some Form of torture or a means to an end. But now that I'm 46 years old, there's, you know, other things that creep in as being a father to two children. You want to be a good role model for them. You want to, um, you, you know, be able to, to stay healthy and, and active and, and do your job as a, as a husband and a parent. And, you know, you want to live a long time and live healthy and, uh, and not have to be a burden to anybody. So those Mm -hmm. things kind of start to creep in as you get older. Uh, And uh, it's just one of those things that seems to evolve over time. But, yeah, I also like
1: looking good for my wife. She seems to appreciate it. (laughs) Well, I love the way you uh, talked about that, about how it started out as kind of motivation for her, but then it ended up being something that you really started to really like. And that's the one thing that I have read a few and a few of the things you do that but developing passion for exercise is something you stress and that's how you you see getting long term success. And that's something I hadn't thought about before, but you're really right. And so, I mean, a lot of people, when they come into a personal trainer, they say that they really hate the exercise. And so what's your strategy when you meet people like that? How do you help them develop their passion for exercise? And so it's not such a chore and it can be long term success.
2: I'm a big fan of experimentation um, because I I would never tell anybody that they have to do a certain exercise or that they should focus on what is the best calorie burner or what is the greatest muscle builder or, or the newest, coolest thing. Instead, you can do some research and some experimentation and say, okay, what is it that works for me? And it may be fairly low intensity, especially if someone's obese. I mean, they have a lower lactate threshold. They can get wiped out pretty quick. So, if they go into a class or something uh, or take up running something that that is quite intense um, within ten minutes they can be completely done for and feel wretched for a while afterwards, that's not going to create a lot of positive reinforcement for them whereas conversely, if they did something easier that was you know a, a little uh lower on the intensity and and uh and didn't make them feel so wiped out or maybe had a sense of community associated with it um it can just create more positive feelings for them. And the thing is that fitness is something that, that you know, you get better at over time. So there's no, saying, there's no rule that says just because you start with something easy that you have to stay there. So I, I'm a fan of, of, you know what, forget about uh, bulging biceps or rippling abs or any of that kind of stuff for a while and the most important thing you should work on at first is just developing a regular habit if you go from not working out at all to working out for thirty minutes two three times a week that's a major victory because Mm -hmm. that's something that most people aren't doing and what ends up happening is that you get into this mindset of okay I'm a regular exerciser now and if you adopt that you're winning in a major way you may not be dropping weight you may not be having you know, really significant um, effects on your health yet, especially if it's a, if it's at a lower intensity. But you've got that regularly scheduled activity that you can expand upon over time. Over time, mm-hmm. you can choose exercises. You know, once it's ingrained and your fitness starts to go up a bit, you can start to experiment with more difficult, challenging exercises. You can increase the frequency with which you exercise. You can in- you can increase the intensity uh, uh, at which you do that exercise, like mean, meaning ride your bike faster, run faster, that type of thing. Um, you can, uh, you can increase the length of time instead of cycling for 30 minutes, you cycle for 40 minutes. So there, there's, there's all sorts of things that you can do. Um, you know, you just don't have to jump into this go hard or go home mentality on day one, uh, Mm -hmm. easing your way into it is not only easier on your body from an injury prevention standpoint, it's easier on your psyche. And it gives you time to figure out that, um, you know, to get the positive mental benefits from it, where it increases your energy levels rather than wipe you out, and it doesn't cause so much pain and discomfort that you hate it, but instead feel like, you know what, I feel kind of good after that, I want to go out and do it again. Give your, time, bo- your body time to adapt, choose exercises that are appropriate for your body type and level of fitness, and find something that's actually, you know, either has a sense of community, uh, if that's what you're, if you're after the social aspect, that's why a lot of people love CrossFit, is because they've been really good at building communities, or if you're kind of more of a loner type, and you want to go for uh, a hike through the forest or along the water, you can do that instead, um, you know, just find something where you feel like I'm enjoying this activity, and take it from there.
1: Yeah, I I have the same same kind of take on that. I, I think there's there's no norm of what's the best exercise. Everybody every client is different, and and so I mean the articles that are out there to kind of tell you what the best exercise should be doing or what yeah. the best cardio is really are invalid to most people because just because it is best for someone else doesn't mean it's going to be the best thing for you. Yeah, the
2: adage so, is that the best fitness regimen is the one that you'll adhere to.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I uh, my dad. Um, I'm, a lot of people have uh, dad things that they remember forever, but one of the, we used to be one of those families that had all kinds of different cardio equipment that never got used. But my dad always said that uh, the best exercise is the one you like the best because that's the one you're going to do the most of. And so I've yeah. kind of always adapted that since I became a trainer. and uh, I think that it makes perfect sense to me. So it's got to be enjoyable.
2: Yeah, I think if I lived in Southern California, I might never run again because… Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I love my bike so much, but I live in Canada, and six months out of the year, biking is just no fun. (laughs) So so in the summer, I cycle a lot, um, but I still keep my running up because through the winter months, um, I, I run lots because running outside in the winter is yeah, whatever. You just put on the right amount of clothing and you suck it up and go. But I think that if I, if I lived in a land of perpetual summer, I would just ride my bike year round and probably quit running. Not to say that I don't (laughs) like running. It's just cycling is so much more fun for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I like the way you talked about, uh, changing the variables that you mentioned there. I think it was, uh, one of my training certifications I think in ASM, they talk about the FIT principle, they call it, where frequency, intensity, type, time, and those are the variables you change. So I remember um, when I was actually, I was actually a, a teacher before I became a trainer, and my cooperating teacher, when I was student teaching, I was student teaching for K through 6. And she told me that I was trying to have trouble making a lesson plan for second grade, and I was trying to make it different. I was kind of having a creative blank, and she told me, if you just change one little thing, they'll think it's a completely different game. And I think your body kinda always relax acts the same way. And so that's what I've always tried to do as a trainer, just to help people keep getting results. But you always change either the frequency, intensity, type, time. And so there's so many things you can do different at the exercise to make it different, where you change uh, you can go from kettlebells to dumbbells, the barbells, the cables, the resistance tubes, the TRX, the body weight, and but uh it's always important just to kind of keep changing it up so you don't get used to it just as just as long as you're progressing, like you said. Yeah. Um I think is the most important thing. But you mentioned there that uh, developing the habit, but just uh, whether you you don't have to jump in full full bore yet. But if you're going from doing nothing to doing 30 minutes a day, twice a week, uh, that's still a major change. And so I like your you mentioned slow and steady wins the race. That's something I've seen seen you use as a phrase right. a few times too. And that's something that kind of I also adapt is, uh, as far as taking baby steps. And so what would you say to a client when they when they how would you handle a client that comes in and they're Comparing themselves where they are now to where maybe they used to be 10 years ago where they were an athlete, uh, how would you get them to kind of progress back to that point? Well, I think we'd want to have
2: a conversation about this whole mentality that really needs to be um, exposed and broken apart, which is the get fit quick scheme. That uh, One of the things that I, I looked up a while ago was I Googled lose weight fast. And I got over 10 million results and a ton Holy of ads. Wow. And then you Google lose weight slow, and I only got 13,000 results. And most of them weren't even relevant. It, it said like to lose weight with a slow metabolism, dot, 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 or to lose weight, slow your eating. There's no, there, there was no marketing push behind this whole lose weight slow idea. And that's because of our mentality of, you know, we want stuff now. That's why it's so many people crushing debt loads is because we don't like waiting for stuff you know just put it on the credit card and uh and but the thing is that with fitness you can't um you can't put that on on a credit card you it's kind of like you have to pay cash up front in order to get mm-hmm. in shape and that means a lot of hard work and it took them many years to put on that weight and to get out of shape So it's going to take time in order to get back into shape. And the other thing is that, you know, there are people see these stunning before and after pictures in a tight timeline. Um, You know, Body for Life was, uh, I I still believe that it's one of the best-selling get-in-shape books of all time that came out in the late 90s, and it had all of those amazing before and after images that were were done in just a 12-week period of time, and everybody thinks that that's going to be them not realizing that that's at the extreme end of results not typical not only that but these people had to go through a 180 degree lifestyle change from you know the metaphorical donut scarf and couch potato into diet conscious workout warrior in one day and the reality is not many people can do that not many people can just flick a switch and all of a sudden i am you know eating super um healthy food all the time, no junk food, calorie restricted, exercising like my butt is on fire. Uh, It it creates injury. It creates pain. It creates mental fatigue. They might be able to push through for a short period of time and achieve amazing results, but then they snap that after photo and all of a sudden it's just like, okay, they start backsliding and it's the whole yo-yo dieting thing because Mm -hmm. mentally you can power through for a short period of time. But then eventually you're just like, you know what? I I need a break. I don't want to do this anymore. Whereas if you did that baby step approach and you just looked at, okay, we're, we're doing one of constant improvement. And I mean, even this whole constant improvement idea has a plateau. Eventually you get to the point where it's like, you know what? I'm happy in maintenance mode here. And that's where I've been living for a few years now to every once in a while it's like, okay, I want to qualify for the Boston marathon or, or something like that where I'll ramp things up for a little while, but then there's an eating off period, but there's, there's sort of a minimum level of exercise and dietary adherence that, that I'm following at, at, at all times. But if you take your time getting there, then it's, it's one of these things of, okay, backsliding is not something that I want to do. And this whole get in shape in 12 weeks, six weeks, four weeks to drop X number of, you know, magic pounds during this magic method or miracle pill or whatever is something that is a toxic mindset that does not plan for long-term sustainability. And, uh, and there's, there's a joke that goes, the easiest way to gain five pounds or is to lose 20, because mm-hmm. what happens is people lose 20 pounds and then they gain 25 back. It's yeah. that whole, it's that whole yo-yo mentality
1: and
2: uh and it's just it's it's neither it's not healthy for your body it's not healthy for your
1: mind mm-hmm. yeah i i totally agree and we live in this uh quick fix or easy button uh society right now and so it's hard to i mean just if on facebook or just when you go to check out at the grocery store it seems like there's 10 12 options for you right away of a quick fix that you can take so it's hard to kind of over overcome that uh well to get and, in a regular routine.
2: And I've been making cracking jokes about the, um, the lose nine pounds this week type of uh, messaging that you see both at the bookstore and the grocery store. Like any best selling um, diet book, there's a good chance that it has a little starburst on it saying, you know, lose 14 pounds in 10 days um, or something like that. Or, you know, there, there's, you've got those magazines that uh, I think it's Women's World Magazine. Every single week there is an outrageous weight loss claim on the cover. Um, and then there's, you know, there's magazines with Dr. Oz on the cover with, uh, with a ridiculous weight loss claim. And I mean, there's even a book called 10 Pounds in 10 Days. That, you know, okay, if you weigh 400 pounds and I cattle prod you through, uh, you know, put you on a treadmill and put you on a restrictive diet and stand behind you with a cattle prod, yeah, you can lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Um, <laughs> you can also lose 10 pounds of water in 10 days. But right. for the person who's maybe 40, 50 pounds overweight to lose 10 pounds of fat in 10 days, that's like running a marathon every day on no food. <laughs> just, it just can't right. be done.
1: <laughs> right. So, that is a it's a frustrating thing that I'm sure we could go on and on for for that uh, both being trainers, but uh, for someone that's a client that come to you, I mean, it seems like everything you research these days, especially in fitness, you could find twenty twenty articles for this point and point, twenty articles for another point. How does what would advice would you give someone being a, a fitness writer that help them, you know, as far as uh knowing uh, what they're reading, whether it's right or wrong.
2: Well, I think there is that uh,
1: uh,
2: old adage of, if it sounds too good to be true, well, then right. it's not as reliable <laughs> as getting Lindsay Lohan to be your designated driver. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, r- the reality is, and this is proven out over millennia of human existence, which is that it, it takes longer and it's harder then no matter what project you're doing, it's gonna take you longer and it's gonna be more work and and more effort than you originally surmised. So imagine if you think it's gonna take six months, it's gonna take a year. And it's gonna be more effort than you can possibly imagine. So I don't even like to really focus too much on long term goals. Instead of saying, okay, well I wanna drop 30 pounds of fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle or something, you know, that's a fine goal to have. I, I think that that is a specific, measurable, you know, smart goal, quote unquote. Uh, but I think that, that what really makes that goal achievable is focusing on the day-to-day goals of, okay, you know, here's here's my week looking ahead. And I've got, you know, maybe I've got some meals planned out or, or you know, I've, I've got some healthy grocery shopping uh, planned out and here's all of my exercise that's planned out for the week. It's sticking to those day to day process goals that allows you to achieve the outcome goals. I don't think about, I don't spend too much time thinking about dwelling on this. This glorious outcome, long-term goal that I'm going to have, it's just like, okay, what am I doing today that uh, that creates a better tomorrow?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that that's the way every every client has to have to get long-term success. I think they kind of have to have that mindset. If you focus too much on the end result, then it's like a marathon, and then and then it's going to seem like the finish line is so far away. You have to be able to focus on you have to be able to keep your motivation by focusing on the day-to-day tasks so you can stay consistent with i totally agree and there's
2: there's actually an interesting study that was done a while ago that found that people that actually spend a lot of time dwelling on a specific outcome even daydreaming about it like how good it's going to feel when they uh you know lose a certain amount of body weight um achieve a certain fitness level or whatever that it actually kills their motivation to do it, and the reason why is this type of this type of daydreaming is a form of stress relief. What it makes it, them feel like is by by daydreaming on it, they're actually um, relieving that little bit of good stress that makes them want to achieve that goal because they kind of temporarily feel like they already did achieve it. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it's better to just spend your time like I. I like to spend time thinking about, you know, I've got, we've, we had a bunch of rain recently and the forecast for this afternoon is warm and sunny and I'm fantasizing about today's long bike ride this afternoon. (laughs) That's what I'm excited
1: about. (laughs) That's great. Um, well, uh, listeners, If you want to read, we're going to take a quick commercial break right now. If you want to go to uh, read more from James Fell and some of his articles he's wrote, check out his website bodyforwife.com, capital B, F, O, F, and W, bodyforwife.com, and we will be right back after this short commercial break.
2: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the
0: go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at
2: the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be, taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill.
2: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are tuned into Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. If you have a question or comment about our program, send us an email at chadaustinfitness at gmail.com. That's chadaustinfitness at gmail.com. Now, back to Be Fit for Life.
1: Welcome back, everybody. I'm Chad Austin. You're listening to Be Fit for Life. We're here with James Fell. Uh, bodyforwife.com. If you didn't have a chance to to look at it, I'll remind you a few times here, but there's also sixpackabs.com, the S-I-X-P-A-C-K-A-B-S.com. And that's uh, James's up-to-date blog. And with a lot of great information you can take a look at. Uh, James, I, everything that you say, and I, I read from you, it seems like you're, you're definitely a trainer that uh, Folks on long-term success, and I think any trainer that's really good—that's something that you definitely need to learn in your first year or so as a trainer. That if you really want to, if you really want to become a good trainer, then it's more about how your client's doing two years after you meet them than it is after six months. And so, I, I, and one thing you say in your in your you feel like uh, strategic planning is what you're the best at, and so I really like that. But I wanted to tell me a little bit how you how that became a strength of yours and what you do with your clients to help them get long term success by that strategic planning
2: well it's it's interesting actually that in a former life, um, I have an MBA and I worked in business for a dozen years and uh, it just seemed logical to apply the uh, you know the things that you learn in an MBA program and and working in a business environment about how you need to plan this stuff out and, and be a, a forward-thinking type of individual because, you know, whether it's doing something like building a house or growing a business, uh, you have to think about your, your long-term future, about what you're going to be doing for the next week, the next month, the next year, and so on. And it involves things like setting both short-term and long-term goals, um, you know, your, your tactical day-to-day um, implementation of your long-term strategy, And your time management and your prioritization and, you know, what type of resources you're going to bring to it. Even the finances that are involved because, you know, fitness usually isn't free. So you need to consider Mm -hmm. all of those things and create uh, a cohesive long-term plan that you can adhere to. And the... You know, you you make it realistic and you make it sort of changeable over time that as you learn new things, as you move forward, you may realize, well, this isn't working, so we need to adapt it in this way. You know, from a time management perspective, we need to jig things around. A lot of people go into it without giving this any thought or consideration whatsoever. They just jump into it. They say, well, I'm going to join a gym and I'm going to eat clean or whatever that means, and and I'm going to get in shape <laughs> quite often on January 1st. And then they get those monthly recurring um, charges to their credit card for their uh, for their gym membership that they never go to because but they don't cancel it because they feel guilty. And they think, well, one of these days I'm going to start going again. And that gym just keeps charging them again and again, even though they never go.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. That's um, the strategic planning and everything. I think I've, I've done stuff over New Year's resolutions and done research and stuff like that. And so there's always these, these statistics that come out, of course, on New Year's resolutions. Like after the first six weeks of the year, everyone uh, drops off and everything. But well, first off, I, I hate that uh, mindset anyway, because to me that that's like saying if you know if you failed on your fitness thing, then then it's over. You're you might as well go back to not working out. And you're always gonna you know miss a day from from time to time. All you got to do is just start going again, and and you're fine but the 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 whole thing is with, with with uh why people don't get their their new year's resolutions is because they didn't change anything, and so that's why I always stress on here. So how would you go about uh teaching someone that hasn't been getting results teach them how to start making changes
2: um well i mean i I think that a lot of it if they if they spend a little bit of time figuring out what the plan is what they're gonna do via research they can talk to some friends you know they can they can look on google and and figure it out without actually changing anything other than doing the plan you know you don't have to change your diet you don't have to start exercising figure it out in advance and write it down create a spreadsheet um you know create you know it doesn't have to be a hyper detailed plan because we're not building a rocket ship here um you know it doesn't have to be 50 pages long you can write it out in a couple of pages and and get it sorted out in advance get your your time properly scheduled maybe get the appropriate equipment that you might need even if it's just you know some some new workout clothes that are comfortable and breathable and you look good and you feel good and all that kind of stuff um and you kind of you, you can find during that process if you take a couple of weeks to figure out your plan figure out what you're going to do when and where and you've got all your equipment ready maybe you've got some instruction lined up that you're going to be uh, using for a specific activity, um, you'll find during that time that excitement is going to build. You're going to start looking forward to it because there's there's a start date that you're working towards. Instead of just like one day, January 1st, you wake up hungover and you decide to start working out, that's that's a bad plan that has a higher failure rate than a Taylor Swift relationship. But if you have that advance plan all set and ready to go. And uh, one of the things I like to do is I call it fridge motivation, where you take your exercise schedule and you tape it to the fridge, and you tick each one off as done or not done. Um, you're constantly looking at that several times a day. That you know you can't ignore that the um, the the schedule is right there. That you you see it in front of you. That okay, yes, today or tomorrow I'm supposed to do this and you're able to say if you did it or not, and you're constantly looking at, you know, which ones you did and which ones you didn't, it can also have the added benefit of every time you go to the fridge, that because you see your workout schedule, and you see that you are exercising on a regular basis, it might make you make a wiser food decision when you open that fridge door.
1: Yeah, it's a great strategy. So your book, that you, that you wrote, Lose It Right, a brutally honest three-stage program to help you get fit and lose weight without losing your mind. Uh, tell us a little bit about that book. What is this three stages of the book? Okay, um, I, I basically said
2: that Nike is wrong and that you should not just do it. Uh, instead, yeah. I believe in learn, prepare, then do it. And uh, which is some of the things that we've been talking about, you know, that what I was just telling you about putting a plan together and uh, the, in the book, the learn section is quite science heavy. A lot of it involves the, um, the science of eating behavior and how exercise affects eating behavior. I co-authored it with a woman who has a PhD in psychology with a focus on eating behavior and the link to obesity. So it's pretty science-heavy um, about why people are overweight and the effect that food has on your brain and why, you know, junk food is so tasty and so compelling. And then we get into the health benefits of of losing weight and, and getting in shape. But also there's, there's a pretty big, important chapter on how exercise can affect eating behavior and how it can actually empower your brain to, to make it easier to make wise food decisions and, and choose healthier options and, and less sort of highly palatable, super tasty junk food options. And then the prepare stage of the book is all about that whole planning process of time management goal setting um, you know motivation is a big part figuring out the the whole motivational aspect of how you're going to um, to get yourself up early in the morning to go work out or, or whatever it is uh, as well as motivation from an from an eating perspective and then the do uh, section is is Again, breaking things down into another subset of, of three more levels of gradual integration of easy, medium, hard, and you can do it. Oh, you can do those at one-month intervals, two-month intervals, or three-month intervals, depending on you know how resistant you are to change. And we actually put together a little questionnaire to determine your resistance to change. So if someone is is not that resistant, they can go through the three steps. Um, now these are the three steps within the do section of easy, medium, hard, um, at one month each, or they can go through it two months each if they're if they're a little more resistant, or, or three months each. And um, it's uh, the other thing is that you don't necessarily need. I don't tell people that they have to go all the way because they could get to the medium level and stay there if they're happy with what they've achieved and they feel that this is sustainable for them you know great say you're you're 50 pounds overweight and or you know you you or if you you felt if you lost 50 pounds you would maybe be look like a fitness model like somebody in one of those amazing after photos but instead you lose 25 pounds and you've uh, adopted a lifestyle that you're comfortable with and you feel like you can sustain this long term. You look better, you feel better, you know, you're, you're happy with what you've achieved and you can sustain this. You know, is that not still awesome? And my argument is yes, that is still awesome. You can, you can get to that medium level and just stay there until you die and you're doing better than probably 95% of the population. Um, mm-hmm. you don't have to decide to push all the way to the the hard level to get yourself into that kind of 1 or 2% of of super fit individuals out there. And mm-hmm. for me, the way that I did it was, you know, it was over 20 years ago that I got in, that I started this journey of fitness. I kind of went to that medium level and stayed there for 10 years until I decided that you know what I'm ready to up my game. I'm going to start pushing it harder and and tightening up my my eating regimen even more and lose more weight and you know see my abs and all that kind of stuff. And even then, it was it was a lengthy process to do it. Uh, so you know you you uh, you don't have to have this all or none mentality.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'd I like that. A lot. I definitely agree. You know a lot about the role of exercise and how it affects eating behavior. And yeah. so how does, that, how does that experience help you with your clients?
2: Um, well, it's, the first part always comes with a warning because it's interesting that despite how good exercise is um, at the physiological level for improving eating behavior, a lot of people have a tendency to blow it. Um, and part of that is due to uh, a lot of the marketing messages that we get exposed to. And what happens is people believe that exercise entitles them to a food reward. And that's because they hear these things about, you know, calorie-blasting exercises that ramp up your metabolism and turn you into a fat-burning machine and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so they think that, you know, okay, I just did 30 minutes on an elliptical trainer, um, and therefore I'm entitled to a treat afterwards. What they don't realize is that, you know, their math is messed up that they may have burned off 300 calories and they're going to blow it with a 500 calorie piece of cheesecake. And it's this whole, because I exercised reward mentality that I really need to caution people against because instead of looking at exercises entitling you to, to a certain type of food reward, you need to alter your thinking towards exercise has increased your brain power to make it easier to resist food rewards and instead see Instead of viewing food as a constant source of pleasure, viewing it more of as a source of fuel to um, to fuel your your physical activity endeavors. But there are four different ways that exercise can can change your brain um, in order to make you a better eater. The most important one is called your brain's executive function. Uh, people who exercise specifically. Um, at more intense, longer durations, uh, wh- what they do is they increase the brain's executive function, which are things like planning, decision making, and um, and oh, what's the other one? It escapes me for uh, impulse control. So it improves your planning abilities, your decision making, and your impulse control. Now, tell me, those three things are not great for dietary adherence. You know, you right. can create a diet plan. You can make wiser food decisions. You can control your impulses around junk food. Like that's, that's an amazing step forward for, um, for enhancing that, that part of your brain in terms of becoming a better eater. More intense activities can also actually have an appetite suppressing effect. This whole thing about working up an appetite is not true. Uh, if you're, especially if you're doing, that's one of the reasons why interval training can be good for fat loss. It's not some miracle calorie burner. I think that burning calories is the least important thing that exercise does. Um, Because really, the lean bodies are made in the kitchen. At the end of the day, it's almost impossible to out-exercise a bad diet. But if exercise improves your eating behaviors, then yes, that's, one of the, the real key factors in, in order to achieve weight loss. And, and brief bouts of really intense exercise can actually suppress your appetite for hours so that, you know, you're, and not only that, but make you kind of want to eat something healthier rather than eat something junky, sugary, fatty, whatever. Uh, there's also the, the alternate reward aspect of it that You know, junk food is very rewarding. It's when you eat something sugary or fatty, it lights up these reward centers in your brain that make you feel really good. Well, you know what? Exercise works on those same reward centers in the brain so that when you have a really good intense sweat, you pre-state the reward centers in your brain so you're less likely to crave Junk food, not only that, if you actually go and eat the junk food anyway it doesn 't actually taste as good it 's not as rewarding you know it, it tastes the same in your mouth, but what people don 't realize is that when they eat junk food it 's not just their mouth that 's tasting it it 's their brain that is tasting it via a rush of dopamine and o- opioids and if the, if you 're already satisfied. That reward center in your brain via exercise, you don't get nearly that sort of neurochemical rush going on. So it's less reinforcing and you don't want to eat the whole bag of potato chips. Maybe you only eat half of it. Mm-hmm. And then finally, all those three things that I just described are all physiological. The fourth one is psychological. And this is the one that that, you know, once you get past this whole food reward mentality, instead, you start looking at food from a fuel versus pleasure mentality, which is, uh, okay. I am a regular exerciser. I, I, you know, go out and I, I go hard several times a week. I need to fuel appropriately. I need to make sure that I've eaten good food before my exercise efforts in order to make sure that, that I, I, you know, can, can be my best out there today. And afterwards, I need to eat good food to recover from that exercise effort. And creating that sort of ongoing, you know, food as fuel mentality can just clean up your, your eating over time,
1: so that uh, you end up
2: losing weight and feeling great. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, you uh, definitely, you you mentioned when you talked about your book earlier that you know you kind of stayed in your medium zone there where you're happy there for about 10 years and then you kind of stepped it up a notch and you have kind of your workout program on your body for wife website but can you tell us kind of tell listeners a little bit about what your workout your own workout program is like and if you do any competitions or anything as far for like uh with your biking and cycling and running
2: um the only competitions I've ever done are running and even then not many of them. Um, I really am more of a loner and this is just a personal thing. I, I like to mostly run by myself, cycle by myself and I've got a home gym now so I'm lifting weights by myself. But uh, I, for, for writing purposes I decided that I wanted to run a marathon and uh, because I was writing about running a fair bit and people are saying well have you done a marathon and I thought well no okay fine. So a couple of years ago, I ran the L.A. Marathon to write about it for the L.A. Times. And I got a sub-four-hour time, and people are like, oh, hey, you're actually pretty good at this. You should try and qualify for Boston. And I thought, okay, I need a sub-325 time in order to qualify for Boston. No way that's going to (laughs) happen. Then there was the bombing. And I thought, I have to be there so I can write that story. I have to qualify for Boston. So I did everything I could. I spent the entire summer of 2013 training my butt off and, and it was kind of a miserable experience because it was just, it was the most brutal training I'd ever been through in my life. I qualified with 29 seconds to spare. I actually collapsed wow. before the finish line, um, and crawled the last couple of feet. I was in the med tent for 90 minutes on IV fluids and oxygen. I barfed twice.
1: <laughs> it was, just, oh, wow.
2: it was horrible, <laughs> horrible pain, but I made the time. And then in last April, I ran the Boston Marathon and it was, I did it a lot slower. I, I took my time and, and just had a great time. Um, and, and it was an amazing experience and I was glad I was, you know, able to do it. Now I'm kind of retiring from marathons because I figured, okay, I proved my point. I ran Boston. And I'm going back to, I think when it comes to fat loss, 10K is the fat loss distance. Um, mm-hmm. that that, that's a That's a good distance for, for really enhancing fat loss, but I'm also a big fan of lifting weights. Um, I don't think necessarily say everyone should be a runner. I think everyone should be a weightlifter or do some type of resistance training. I think this, there's a lot of people that say, will say that weightlifting is this, this panacea of fat loss. I completely disagree. I don't think that weightlifting is necessarily great for fat loss, um, I, I think that it's great for for a lot of other reasons, but it's not this tremendous calorie burner um, that a lot of people make it out to be. But at, at the same time, I just think it's so good for your body for so many different ways. I, I am a fan of doing some form of resistance training and some form of aerobic training. Both you can make them sort of equal or or, or whatever. But really, when it comes kind of, at the end of the day. How good something is for for fat loss from an exercise perspective isn't that relative, because it's at the end of the day it really is about how many calories you're consuming, and uh, and so you you need to focus more on the dietary side anyway. Yeah, and and yes, I like to I like to cycle a lot too, Um, and I'm I'm a fan of throwing some money at fitness. You know, I have a three thousand dollar carbon fiber frame road bike. And it is very fast. And from a motivational perspective, I look forward to riding that bike a lot more than I would if it was a $300 bike.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Well, James, we just got a short time left, like about a, a minute, actually. But I'd like to end the show with uh, giving you, a, if our listeners could only take one thing away from what uh, our interview was today, what would you want that to be?
2: Find something you like to do and endeavor to get better at it. Um, Seek extra instruction.
1: Challenge yourself. And
2: because a lot of the ways that passion comes with fitness is just realizing one day that, you know what, I'm actually good at this. It gives you the positive reinforcement to say that, you know, you were terrible at an activity before and through hard work and perseverance and some instruction and learning, you actually got good at it. That's one of the critical ways that passion for the activity gets developed.
1: Yeah, I I great. That's a great, great way to end the show right there. Uh, Thanks, James, for being such a great guest. I enjoyed having you on today. Uh, Listeners, don't forget to go look at BodyForWife.com and SixPackApp.com to see more from James Fell. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week, and we'll see you next time on on Be Fit for Life. Thanks
0: again for tuning us in. Please join Chad Austin next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, for another edition of Be Fit for Life on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, have fun, get active, and be fit.